You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to the Afterlap. This is a fun, fun episode for me because I have complete strangers. Usually, I have people that I kind of, kind of know, and these are people I, I saw a video online. I was like, I'll watch like five seconds of it because it's probably going to be garbage. And I watched the whole thing, and then I was like, Where's the next episode? So anyway, we have uh, we have Charlie Bellarose. Hello. So keep the microphone high. Hi. And a lot of people just use it. And then we have. Uh, Jonathan Perlstein. That's me. Now they are uh, part of a project called Holly Wounded. First of all, everything's about the title, right? That's a great title. <laughs> that's what the, that's the hook and sinker for me. Exactly. Holly so Wounded, you're going to watch. And it says everything in the title right away. Because if it's a female-created, female-driven project, it sort of speaks to, I guess, the dating scene and relationship scene out in L.A., and um, of course, I've as a, as a man in LA, I've only been here three years officially. Um, the stories I've heard. So the first thing I want to talk about is obviously you guys didn't meet until this project was created, right? right. So um, and Jonathan, you're some you're in the process of, of trying to get sold and shopped. All right, that's right. So Charlie, w- what is your story? When, when did you get to LA? How did you develop this? So actually about three years ago. Ah. Yeah, just like you. From what location? So I moved from Paris, France. So that's where I am from ah. originally, yeah. Um, and so I graduated college and I was like, okay, what now? And um, I always wanted to work in the film industry. Yeah, And okay. I always wanted to live in LA. And so I was like, I'm just gonna do it. And so I came out here and I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try my hand at this. Now, usually when people move to L.A., they're moving from, like, Tulsa or Wichita. They get, on a, they get their hoopty and they drive across country. So the move from Paris, France to L.A. Now, Paris has a pretty thriving film scene and TV scene, correct? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not bad. Um, but it wasn't what I was looking for, you know, because I was looking for a new experience. I was looking yeah. for the L.A. experience, the Hollywood experience. What did that mean to you? What did that look like to you when you're... So, so to back up... <laughs> When I think Paris France, that your little girl, Emily, with the red coat, walking around the the, the song, right, right. Um, you, because first of all, you have no accent, obviously, that I can detect. True. Um, so I actually lived in the U.S. on and off my whole life. Okay. Um, so we moved back and forth constantly because of my father's job. We don't have to get into that. But yes, I am um, going to turn up your volume a little bit because sure. the mic is a little low. And so. Um, so I also attended international schools my whole life, which, you know, half uh, is taught in English, half is taught in French. So that's also how I, you know, kind of adapted the accent, being around English speakers my whole life. Was it a conscious decision? Because if, if, if you were like, I'm from L.A. and I'm from the Valley, I'd be like, okay, I can buy that. Or like, I'm from West Hollywood, okay, I can buy that. <laughs> it's very rare because usually I have people like you, I can detect. But um, did you ever have a Parisian accent? Never. Never? Interesting. No. And you're parents do yes my parents absolutely do my sister does not either because we were so young the first time we came out here yeah i mean i i think i was like two years old the first time you and know? where were you in the u.s oh we've so many different places but you know we lived in detroit for a while we lived in boston for a while miami um mm-hmm. so we kind of hopped around a little yeah bit, a couple yeah. shitty cities one okay city. <laughs> exactly <laughs> so i just find it fascinating so you're you're in 
Paris, France, which, of course, as a plebeian and an American, you're like, that's so fancy. Why would you ever want to leave Paris, France? Uh, so Trump gets Trump becomes president. You're like, I got to go move to fucking America. <laughs> um, so so you come here three years ago. And what was your plan? Like, did you have a big plan or you, was it the story of, you know, I got a, I got a one way ticket at 50 bucks in my pocket and a dream? I mean, definitely not the 50 bucks in the pocket, <laughs> you know, I, I was, uh, no, I decided because, so I actually graduated with um, a journalism and graphic design um, degree. So I came out here, I was like, you know, I'll, I'll work as a graphic designer in the meantime uh, while I try to apply to jobs, you know, assistant jobs, whatever, try to get my foot in like the door. Uh, How do you even find a place to live from Paris? So it's kind of interesting. I actually did uh, Airbnb for six months. Oh my God. So I was Airbnbing and I was living with this guy and uh, he was like this 40 year old bachelor uh, in Marina del Rey. I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm almost was, there. He was awesome. Like he was never home. So I basically had yeah. the place to myself. I was living, you know, practically on the beach and uh so it was like great setup for me yeah um and then you know i think i just got super lucky because things just fell into place like right when i got there like i found a place right away um you know i actually found a job right away too like you know graphic design was pretty easy to find a job freelance working freelance yeah, i was gonna like say was it with the company was just freelance you just so i was working for a company but um like at the time what i ended up doing was i I signed up with the creative agent, like staffing agencies in LA. Um, and so they were finding me work. And then eventually, uh, you know, I had like this freelance contract job with this company. And so I was working for them for six months. So I had a pretty steady gig, you know, yeah. while I looked for, like I said, like, you know, assistant jobs and stuff like that in the entertainment industry, which as you know, probably is not, it's really hard to get. But at this point was the dream to be, because people come to LA, there's really four dreams, right? There's the music dream, there's the acting dream, there's the filmmaking dream, and then there's the sugar baby dream, <laughs> <laughs> or the sugar daddy dream. So was it was a dream, was it about being an actress or a filmmaker? Filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, acting, it just so happened that I fell into it. Yeah. But... And it's not like I didn't have any acting experience. I took I took acting when I was in Paris. It was like a hobby, something I liked to do. Yeah. Um, but it's not what I came out here for necessarily. For me, it was mostly the writing and directing. Yeah. And so, especially the writing, because I just I've I've always been a storyteller. It's like my thing. I just. And you've it. been because in the beginning of of Holly Wounded, which will go to the website hollywounded.com and check out. You say you, you came out here as a screenwriter. Yeah. That was that was the real dream as a yeah, screenwriter, right? Exactly. And in the first shot, you're like when you have a script and you're a young pretty girl, and then you, it shows a guy like throwing your script and touching your leg. Right. Did you have an experience actually like that, or is that more metaphorical? I've had. You can name names. I've had plenty <laughs> of experiences like that. Actually. Can you give me some example without being too specific, but also making it juicy? Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, I mean, there's been instances where. You know, you get you get approached by, let's say, uh, high executive, you know, in the entertainment industry, whatever, you know, he works for, I'm, 
let's just say he works for, you know, I don't know, like Fox Entertainment or something like yeah. that, you know, and, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, you know, what do you do? And, you know, so I'm like, oh, well, I'm a screenwriter. I came out here to work in film, TV, whatever, um, you know, and then, and then they say, oh, well, that's, that's cool. I'm interested in, I'm interested in reading what, you know, what you wrote. Yeah. But, but it's always an excuse. Cause now really when you first move here though, that's not where you're you're going to think though off the bat you're going to be a little bit more doughy-eyed and like hey this is this is my shot right right, right. I mean, so that must be a fall from grace in terms of what you expected absolutely not not to say that i was like naive or anything like that but again when you're not when you're not familiar with the industry when you're yeah. not familiar with how things work and you know and i was i mean i i just was here for like three months you know what i mean when that happened so like i really didn't know much of anything sure. at that point um, and so, yeah, it's, it's kind of, <laughs> you know, it's kind of heartbreaking when you, when you actually find out that they're not really interested in anything that you actually have to say, you know, you're yeah. basically. One of the things I've found out doing this podcast, which has been really edifying, is just how gross men <laughs> are. It sounds really awful. But, um, also I, I've, I've, because I'm a little, I'm kind of like a bit of a stoner and I'm a little mellow, like I'm, I, I'm always like with type A women and type A women who are very classy and they attract high-powered men and they're very business-oriented and these high-powered men go, you know, I want to rep you and develop you and I'm always, I, I want to be incorrect, but I'm always like, you know, you want to fuck you, right? Exactly. And one example, I'm going to name this guy because fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> Barry Katz, who's a big, who's a big manager. And, I, and th there is like a subtle me too thing happens now where... Some will show interest, and they're like, hey, let's go have a dinner meeting. And then you go to the dinner meeting, and it's like a corner table for two at Katana, candlelit, you know. <laughs> and it's just a long, and there's no touching or inappropriate talk, but it's sort of a, a powerful man with a lot of money showing his value and just waiting for the woman to be like, I guess waiting for the woman. So a girl I was dating went out with him for a business <laughs> meeting. Um, and meanwhile, he looks like something the cat dragged in, so I wasn't really worried about it. But, um, and it was like a four-hour dinner, katana, corner table, his normal corner table. And um, she didn't, you know, she's a smart, independent woman. She didn't bite or anything. But um, after that dinner, when she didn't express interest, he just kind of fell off the map. You know what I mean? Of course. So I find that it's, I call it like the bait and switch dinner. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's, you're just sussing out. Is this someone who is naive? Is this someone who's so desperate? Or I don't know. I don't want to like cast aspersions on Barry. I don't really know him. But it definitely struck me as putting out feelers. So I think like the Me Too has kind of got underground in a way where people are doing it. Uh, they, 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 maybe they do want to hear about the project, but they also just want to show you that they're important and like, hey, if you really want this done, and I think a lot of people who are desperate in LA particularly will fall into that and they'll be like, Listen, what can I do <laughs> to make this project happen? So what was your experience? Do you have do you want to talk about specifically or is it just like a sure. general thing? I mean, well, I mean in general that happens constantly, right? Yeah. Um but it, yeah, I mean like for example, I had an experience where yeah, exactly. It, it it always unfolds the same way. Yeah, let's meet up for drinks, you know, and 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 we'll talk about your project, whatever. Um I'll send a car for you. So he ends up sending a car for me. Which is like, you know. This feels nice. Yeah. No one's sent a car for me ever. <laughs> exactly. I was like, this is this is nice. Yeah. Um, and so 
he sends a car and, and I'm thinking we're, you know, we're going to go to a bar or a restaurant or, you know, a public place. Yeah, we have a, we have a plane going by, but it won't <laughs> get picked up too much. <laughs> Hold for sound. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but so, of course, I'm in the car and then all of a sudden uh, we're on Sunset and, you know, the car takes a turn and we go up Mulholland. Up the hills, yeah. yeah. Okay, so you're going to a house. Uh-huh. Yeah, we pull If you don't know, it's so basically like the famous Hollywood Hills, right. which is where all the fancy people live. There's no restaurants up there. No, no. <laughs> There's no not. public establishments, <laughs> just houses. Just houses. And and obviously this was in COVID time because now there's a lot of meetings actually taking place in houses and you can kind of like, mm, right, okay. Right, right, right. No, um, this was two years ago. Two years ago. So. so it goes into this house and at that point where you're like, excuse me, <laughs> knocking on the glass, excuse me, driver. <laughs> yeah, I mean... You know, at that point, I'm like, okay, clearly we're not going to a public place, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, long story short, um, yeah, he didn't really want to talk about the project. So you get you get to his house. Yeah. He's not wearing a robe. He's not Harvey Weinstein it, right? No, thank God. But but had the, the, ostensibly it was a business meeting, and he presented that, yeah. Yeah. So okay. I mean, he he uh, you know he was. Yeah, he wasn't dre- he was dressed normally, whatever, casual. Mm-hmm. Um, so was I. I mean, I wasn't you know I wasn't dressed up or anything like that. Um, and we we go out on the terrace and have a drink and you know kind of talk about life, whatever. Not we didn't talk about the project at all, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and then you know he subtly tried to put the moves on me, <laughs> or not so subtly, um, yeah. because he ended up. Uh, sticking his tongue down my throat actually so that was that was interesting so when something like that happens and here's someone who is it's a new contact you're new in town right uh, a man with power sticks his tongue down your throat uh it must be a flood of emotions going through your head because you obviously don't want to name in the balls right um but you want to i'm assuming you want to reject him but not in a way where he feels rejected because men's egos are so fragile exactly so how do you negotiate something like that so you know I, it's funny because you have to, you have to think on your toes too. You're like, okay, how do I get out of this situation? Because now it's uncomfortable for me. I don't even want to be here. This guy clearly doesn't want to help me in any way. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm just, he just, yeah. I mean, the only thing he really cares about is my vagina. So I'm like, okay, how do I get out of it? Um, so, you know, I, I basically tell him like, I'm, I'm in a relationship. That's the easiest. Yes, for sure. That's my, my, that's my go-to. Even if I'm not. I just say I am yeah. because what can he say then, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it, of course it was awkward. And after that, I never heard from him again, you know? Was he gracious in, in, in that moment? Was he like, oh, I'm sorry and da, da, da. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't, yeah, he wasn't a complete asshole. And did he God. try to sort of feign interest in the project after that? Not, not even, to not be even. honest. It was yeah. like it was like my project didn't even exist at that point, yeah. you know. And so, and that's when I, I mean, I, I just knew I was like, this isn't going anywhere. Yeah. So then you say, can you drive me back? So then, yeah. I mean, I basically was like, I'm, I, I should probably go, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, no, I mean, I, I got my own Uber back. Like, I didn't. Yeah. Even, I was like, I'm not even gonna ask this guy for anything. I'm just gonna get the hell out of here. Yeah. When something like that happens, does it? And as a first experience, does it make you go, does it sort of make you go, okay, this is the game. I'm going to figure out how to play it and figure out how to negotiate around these, these obstacles or, or is it just, did you just cry all night? 
no fuck that because honestly <laughs> no i was like i'm not gonna cry over this shit yeah. you know what i mean this is obviously happening constantly i'm not the only person yeah so you were you kind know? of aware this was part of a game that gets played i mean it's like i feel like even though i wasn't necessarily aware i i don't know like I wasn't surprised. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Got it. You know, it's like, okay. yeah, I haven't, I haven't necessarily been through it before, but at the same time, I'm like, am I really shocked that this is happening? Not really. Yeah, you know? of course. So, uh, but does it take a toll? Sure. It takes a toll in the sense of like, you know, you don't really trust anybody at that point. Of course. Point. So yeah. anybody that kind of shows interest or. Particularly any know. man, you're going to be like, okay. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so does it make you go. Does it make you think, and, and I've talked to a lot of women producers and creators, does it make you think that you want to just sort of surround yourself with other female producers and executives as a, as a sort of safeguard against that? Would so, that yes and no, because the thing about, what, at least in my experience, females can be very cutthroat too. There's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, jealousy, Oh, to make it in Hollywood, of course, you know? yeah. Um, and so... It's hard either way. That's the thing. It's like Hollywood is just, it's a fucking war zone. You know what I mean? So you just have to, you just have to figure out how to, how to navigate everything and not step on a landmine basically. So, yeah. um, and you have to be smart about it because again, you don't want to offend people because you never know who you're going to work with in the future. Yeah. People always come back around. Exactly. Yeah. So you have to do everything with a certain amount of grace and it can be really hard when you're, you know, <laughs> faced with People who basically are just trying to screw you, you know, constantly. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Um, and sometimes you do want to need them in the balls, you know? Yeah. So. Now, with the project that you were pitching, was it this project? Was it a different yes, project? It okay, was. it was this project. It was. This now, project. was this pro- as a, this was, is being pitched as a short form comedy series, or is it more like a long form so sitcom? It's more of a long form, uh, like, it's not, a quib- it's not a quibby thing you're trying to pitch. So, no, not necessarily, but I'm yeah. o- not that I'm not open to that. I am. Um, but I originally wrote, like, the concept of Hollywood, it is supposed to be, like, a half-hour dramedy, right? Yeah. So, you know, like a girl, like an H- like HBO's Girls or something like that, you know? Or, or even, uh, what's the other one? Insecure. Okay. Because um, I was, I, I told Jonathan, it's like, it reminded me of Fleabag. Yes, and that was another one on Amazon. I That's that's true, because of the breaking of the fourth wall. Um, and it's funny, because I'd never seen it, uh... I just saw it like recently this past year, so it's kind of it's it's interesting, you know, that I uh, that I ended up breaking the fourth wall. So if people don't know what that means, so in Fleabag and in this project as well, things are happening, events are unfolding, and then she'll just look to the camera and sort of like wink, wink to the audience, like I know what the fuck is going on, or tell them like an inner monologue. Right. Uh, and the way you do it, which is slightly different, is there's a, a record button, so it shows. <laughs> And I'm wondering where that, because that was interesting to me. It was cool. It was different. I'd never seen that before. What, where did that come about? Was that inspiration just something like? So it, it was, the funny thing is we actually just shot more episodes uh, during COVID and uh, we didn't include the record button this time around. Oh, okay. So it was for the first episode, which was initially a proof of concept. So it was really sure. to sell the concept is why we made the first episode. But then because we had so much making it, like so much fun making it and then um you know people wanted to see more we're like why don't we just keep creating this bite-sized content just for social media purposes right yeah but the record button i guess it was it was uh just kind of an idea to be different you know um but also so that the 
you know, the audience wouldn't be confused when I do break the fourth wall. Yeah. But this time around, we didn't. We're not going to yeah. use it. People so, seem to be like used to that format yeah. as a way of talking to the audience. Okay, that's cool. Now, uh, at what point did you come into the project, Jonathan? Yeah, so that's interesting. Um, I've been in entertainment for like 14 years, you know, talent management, film, TV commercials. Um, I was in San Francisco for like the last 10 years. And then when I came back to L.A. at the beginning of the year, um, I was staying with my brother, literally living on his couch, looking for a place, um, you know, right before Corona. It was February. <laughs> and... Uh, um, my brother had a maintenance guy come up from the building to do some work on his plumbing in his kitchen. I swear to God, this is how it happened. And he found out, we started talking, he found out I worked in entertainment and I was a producer and he was like, oh, my friend has this really cool project. I should introduce you. And I'm like, okay, here, uh, here yeah. we go. I'm like this motherfucker <laughs> trying to pitch me another goddamn project that yeah. I don't give a shit about. And then he showed me the website and the short film that she shot to help pitch the TV series. And as soon as I saw the like the website and the pitch deck and I saw the short and I hit play and I found myself interested in it and I kept watching it and I was like, holy shit, I'm like, this girl actually might have something here. Yeah. And so he was like, let me introduce you. And I'm like, OK, yeah, like get us in touch. We get in touch. Right. And. We're like, yeah, let's go meet for coffee. Um, you know, so we go down <laughs> to Alfred's. To Alfred's. Yeah. yeah. What's Alfred's again? It's it's the coffee shop. Oh, it's cute. It's oh God, it's right near us. Actually. Yeah, it's a it's a cool ass little okay. yeah, wow. unique wow. like coffee. indie coffee shop. And we go in there and I'm like when I first saw her I was like, Okay, she's beautiful and she's smart and talented, as I can tell from her work. And then um, we started talking. It was really loud in the coffee shop. And she's <laughs> like, you know what? She's like, I live like right up the street. Do you want to just like go to my rooftop and talk about this? There's like a cabana. We can just chill by the pool and like. You were me tooing him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I totally felt that way. And I totally let it happen. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, we. So she goes, oh, I live up on King's Road. And I'm like, I'm, my brother lives on King's Road. I'm staying there right now. And she, I was like, he lives at 920. I'm like, where are you? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, what? I'm like, holy shit, we're in the same fucking building? In the same bu <laughs> At that point, you got to be like, all right, this is fate. We got to do this, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then I was like, this is crazy. This is weird. And then we started um, talking about the project, and she told me how she, he, she came about doing it. And I was like, this is totally Broad City, Fleabag style. Sure. And I was like, the cast was really diverse, mm -hmm. you know, all races, colors, religions, creeds. <laughs> Um, sexual orientations sexual orientations yeah. and so I was like cool unique this is something that I think networks or streaming online streaming platforms would be looking for yeah and so I was like kind of got my toes wet and I'm like alright let me see what I can do for you and then it like I just kept working on helping her develop the project and getting like the pitch deck at together. this point there's one episode filmed yeah so we just got done filming two more um, okay. but right now because so <laughs> because corona happened um i was actually supposed to shoot back in march and so after because of corona i actually had to cancel and so i canceled the shoot and then um ended up rescheduling it for april but then something else happened related to corona and so had to cancel again and then eventually we finally shot in july 
And so, because it was really hard to get, to even get people to want to come and shoot. I have have a podcast where I'm like, it's outdoors, (laughs) it's sanitized, it's social distance. And people are like, "Uh, do we have to wear a mask? If you want to wear a mask, you can't. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are still afraid to do it. So, uh, yeah, I get that totally. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just hard to even get a team together, like a crew to, to even shoot anything. And so uh, I, I spent months, you know, hunting down people. And, and eventually I did find a crew, which was great. And they were awesome. And um, and we, we basically shot everything in my apartment because, uh, again, because of Corona, there were, you know, we couldn't utilize the spaces we usually want to use. So it's yeah. like, you know, we just had to kind of go with the flow and. Um, and I was like, but I didn't want to wait. I didn't want to wait to create content. So I was like, I just, I just want to keep, I just want to keep going. Yeah. So we did shoot. Now we're in post. Um, we're almost done. We're like at the finish, you know, we, we're seeing the finish line basically. But, uh, so it's just everyone's so backed up with work right now, like all the sound engineers and all of that stuff. So we're just kind of waiting for that. Um, but that's pretty much it. And then once, once those are, you know, once that's off then I'll, we're going to start the YouTube channel. Um, and then just keep filming just yeah keep, just keep making content because the idea is really to build a buzz around you know of course the the show and the brand and all of that so one of the things i want to talk about is a lot of people have ideas for, i mean as you know jonathan as a producer i got this idea for a show you should do a show like this i want to do a show like this people have, i mean even with stand-up people go I really want to do stand-up. I'm like, well, get on stage, motherfucker. There's no, what are you going to think about it? You're going to write for two years before you do that? Right. So um, so a lot of people have an idea. Oh, I want to do this idea for a show. And the fact that you did it already sets you aside from 90% of the people in Hollywood. How did that come? How did you go from these initial experiences in LA to having this particular idea, this particular name, and shooting that first episode just kind of on your own how did you make that happen so what was interesting is that because I was trying to get you know uh, my foot in the door by you know becoming somebody's assistant whatever and all of that um, I ended up actually getting an assistant job I was the assistant to um, this big time producer whatever and then but he you know it it was horrible I worked for him for six months and um, why was it horrible well because first of all well he was you know clearly psychotic (laughs) (laughs) we're not naming names you can can say it yeah but he was clearly psychotic you know i mean just your typical narcissistic you know uh douchebag who thinks that he can treat you like shit just because you know he's the boss basically and nothing because you're just an assistant and we're gonna pay you nothing because you're just an assistant and we're gonna treat you like shit just because we can and then if you ever complain he's like i got a hundred women waiting in line to take this place yeah that's in that is in fact the truth right sadly yes so you're you're replaceable in every aspect um and so i just was so sick and tired of it i was like i'm i i don't want to i don't want to do this like i i dreaded going to work i was like this is not what i signed up for um and i wasn't even learning anything that was interesting that you know i I had no hands-on experience nothing i was like this is just a waste of my time that's how i felt yeah and so you know eventually i was like you know what i why don't i just why don't I just shoot this thing? Why don't I just make it happen? You know, make a proof of concept. Uh-huh. Um, and so... And you had, the, you had the script set at this point? So, because I'd been writing it while I was working for this guy. And, and because a lot, basically, the, the stuff that, that we shot, at least, um, a lot of it's just based on stuff that I write, like, in my, you know, because I journal. I mean, any writer, like, usually... So it's based just, on your life, of yeah, course, yeah. it's based on, you know, my, my experiences. And, um, and so... 
these little funny anecdotes that I'll write down. And, and my idea was just to kind of, you know, pick and choose from some of these anecdotes and be like, okay, let's make, let's make a proof of concept that's going to, you know, that's going to be interesting enough that people actually like what they're watching. Right. Yeah. And so, um, and so I, I spoke to some, cause obviously I'd been here for like a year at that point. And so, um, I'd, I'd made some friends, <laughs> thankfully. And so my friends, you know, they, they all wanted to help me because yeah. they loved the, they loved the idea and they liked the project and they were like, okay, let's, we'll help you do this. And so they helped me, you know, find a crew and all of that because every, everyone was like working in the business, you know, I mean, we were, they were assistants to like, you know, whatever producers. Uh, yeah. You know. So the private positions like you where yeah. they're frustrated because they're like, we want to create, but exactly. we're hamstrung a little bit. Exactly. And, so, uh, when it comes to funding something like this, was just something like you're like, I'm just going to take what I saved up and yes. put it in my pocket. And luckily, you're a graphic designer, exactly. so you can you. <laughs> I imagine you edit it as well. Yes. So we we you know well no the editing I did not I did not do that. Okay. This time around, yes, but uh, the first one I actually hired an editor because I didn't know anything about editing film. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah. Um. You know we. <laughs> We made it happen because it was a t- it was a team effort basically, yeah. you know, and I had I had the script, and I had the money that I set aside because I worked my ass off for it, yeah. you know, and and it's it's kind of what I've been doing basically is like all because I'm a freelancer, um, I can make my own hours and you know a lot of the time it's like contracts like you know six month contract three month contract sometimes it's like a, even a month whatever so I'll save up money and then once I save up enough money then I like focus on like my projects and the stuff yeah. that I want to do and then, you know, use that money to pay for, for And finding for your team. So if someone's coming to LA off the bus from Tulsa or Wichita, as we discussed, <laughs> um, how do you find a team that you trust? How do you find, is it just the type of thing? Like, do you go to events, parties, bars, just friends of friends? Do you post on Facebook Craigslist? How, how's, how do you, so get a group together. lucky for me, uh, the friend, my friends had been here for a lot longer. Than okay. So I you had. did know some people in yeah. LA. Okay. So I, I mean, not before I, I came, but like my first year I met, you know, obviously I made friends, I met people and, and they had, and they, you know, were here for a while. And so they were working in the business and knew people. They're like, well, you know, we shot this short. I really trust this DP. I think he'd be great for this project, you know? So Anytime that I've put a crew together, it's always been, you know, word of mouth, like recommendation, like we've worked with yeah, this person. Um, and, and that usually works. That works out. Because yeah, because they want to do it. Exactly. They're there because they, they're not doing because they're like a hired hand necessarily. Right, right, yeah. right. But, they, but of course, you know, the other thing is, and I know a lot um, of people complain about this, is that people won't get paid, right? There's a lot of like people trying to do stuff, but then they, they tell you they're going to get, they're going to pay you, but then they don't, you know? They're like, once it gets bought, we'll pay you. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. I've been like so many deferred payment, whatever, yeah. you know, it's like in fine print right at the bottom. You, you can barely see it. Um, but I really, for me, it's really important to do things by the book. Yeah. In the sense that I always pay everybody for their work. Yeah. Um, and because, you know, like I said, it, you're putting in the effort. Every, yeah, of course. You know, it shouldn't be for free. Like, so to me, that's really important. You yeah, know, you gotta, I agree. You got to pay people. You got to you got to really appreciate them, and you got to show that you appreciate them. But there's no point them. going through a union with this stuff, though. <laughs> no, no yeah. definitely not. No, I mean we, um, 
yeah, and I mean, again, your budget would be different then anyway. So oh, completely, completely. Would, yeah, I wouldn't have been able to afford it. Thank God we didn't have to do that. So Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of finding actors for the project, same thing, word of mouth, or did you have a casting? No, we actually casted. Yeah. Yeah, Because yeah. the, 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 the best friend roommate, <laughs> he's great. <laughs> he's yeah. great. And then Trey is great. Yeah. So uh, Jamal King plays my best friend. Uh, so he's Des. And he is amazing and such a pleasure to work with. And he's such a good actor. Um, is that how he is off? I mean, people haven't seen this short yet, but is that how he is? Because he is a very flamboyantly gay yeah, well, roommate. I'm assuming he's a gay man. He's He is actually, uh, he is, but he's not at all like the character. The character. You, w- you would never be able to tell. Yeah. And yeah. It's, so, it's so funny to me. And actually, uh, the character was based on an old girlfriend of mine. Oh, funny. And so it was supposed to be played by a girl. Yeah. Um, but he killed it in the audition that I was like, I'm going to adapt this role because I just, I, I needed him by my side. I was like, you are, you're amazing. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, so we, we casted for, for that. And then of course we casted, um, Mark Haynes who plays Trey and he was the perfect fuck boy, um, <laughs> right from the get go, like in the audition room, I was like, okay, you're it. Like, <laughs> um, and so there's even a funny picture of us, like in, in the audition room, um, my friend sent it to me, but like, it's just, you can tell he, he's got his shirt off and everything and he's like <laughs> coming on to me, you know? And I was like, this is just so perfect. It's, uh, yeah. So, and yeah, were you were you that. conscious about casting interracially? Was it something that you wanted to do, or just he, they were just the best people for the jobs? So, no, it was something I wanted to do because they were, like I said, all these people were based on actual people in my life. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to adhere to to that, and yeah. so that's why I cast I, I casted them like that You're like Trey you remind me of this <laughs> asshole I used to date exactly I was like it's it's just it has to be but yeah but it worked out in the end and um you know and it, it does bring diversity to the show which is super important um, now more than ever obviously now more yeah than ever for sure. and I was telling Jonathan earlier a lot a lot of companies I think Amazon's one of those companies they won't even hear a pitch unless it's uh african-american based or minority based they right. won't even a, a friend of mine who used to sell so many pitches went out there like we're just sorry you're a white dude it's just not gonna happen <laughs> like that's not our mandate right now so that's obviously that's a, a very smart move business-wise but also it works out in terms of the content because the content works now the story so the fuck boy describe to people what a fuck boy is because that's a, that's a very interesting word and i'll tell you why because the word originally was a word that came about in prisons where the guy who's basically like the bottom bunk, like the bottom bitch guy who wore his pants down and it was like a fuck boy for someone else. He, that's my fuck boy, right? So in the African-American communities, calling someone a fuck boy has a completely different connotation. Yes. It's a, a, a comic I work with him. Ian Edwards has a bit. He goes, the only word worse than the N-word is fuck boy. You call, if I was on the street, someone goes, hey, N-word. And some black dude was like, hey, fuck boy. I'd be like, hold on, cracker. Let me take care of this guy first right here. <laughs> Um, and I didn't realize that too. I was like, wow. And then, and then of course, f- the definition of fuckboy is such an interesting one because it, I feel like it's kind of new. It's kind of been created in the past like maybe five years. Yeah. Uh, maybe because men have always been like, oh, I'm a playboy or I'm a stud or I'm, and this is like, no, you're a fuckboy. So what exactly. is 
Exactly. Fat Boy, you have a fun moment where you have a montage of people describing what it is. What does it mean to you? Is it something that you kind of developed yourself? Definition? I mean, I would say that most of the guys that I've dealt with in L.A. have been fuckboys. And, <laughs> you know, because it's like they're like cockroaches in this town. You know, they're coming out of the woodworks. They're everywhere, you know. Um, and so a fuckboy is basically a guy who... He just wants to fuck as many women as he possibly can. Doesn't mm -hmm. really care who he's hurting, you know. Um, and the worst ones are the ones that are actually nice guys. Yeah. But maybe know. the male feminists. <laughs> yeah, right. The, the Issa Fairfax Silver Lake crew. <laughs> right, right. With and a man like, bun. Yeah, they're they're the nice guys, but they're still gonna fuck you over. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, no, I mean it's basically somebody that you know who who want like he he how can i describe this it's the guys that act like your boyfriend mm. but don't actually want to be your boyfriend because they yeah. want to be able to fuck whoever they want but yes. you can't fuck whoever you want of course you know um so it's like okay <laughs> there's just um there's just a lot of that going around basically it's like you want to have your cake and eat it too yeah you know and that's what the fuck boys do they just they just want to have their cake and eat it too and i'm <laughs> like well you 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 can't i was like yeah. you can't have your cake and eat it too so. yeah so but then also in in your story you have this fuck boy trey and he's also someone that you are undeniably attracted to yeah so you can't kind of can't resist it and it kind of puts the onus on your character as like okay you call him a fuck boy but then you're participating in fuck boyery so i know i know i mean that's the thing and, and the thing is fuck boys are so much fun <laughs> it's just so hard i'm like god you know you, i try to stay away from him i do i do <laughs> you know but again uh, i mean if i'm I, I could spit off my balcony and just hit one you know what i mean they're just they're all over the place are why you are you looking at me when you say that i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> i didn't mean to look at you no, uh, but no i'm just it's it's hard to avoid them let's just put it that way and you know and and a lot of them are actors and some of them are actually sure. good at acting and yeah. so it's like you know they'll they'll reel you in and then what are you gonna do and uh, I mean, I'm not perfect. Like, you know, I'm 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 a young female and I'm I'm vibrant. Like, yeah. I got needs too. It's so hard. So then the flip. So the flip isn't a thing. So there's no such thing as a fuck girl or, or what would be the equivalent of a of a of a woman that would fit that description? Oh yeah, no. I, there's definitely some fuck girls out there. You know, <laughs> and I mean, it's the kind. It's the same kind of deal. It's like you know the, the girl who plays you, the girl who you know you're. You you think you're the only one, but you're not, and yeah, it's just a lot of manipulation, a lot of like, just a lot of game playing. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's it's who's got the upper hand? It's a lot of power play. Let's put it yeah. that way. I I've been in, I was in a situation with with a girl who I had hooked up with, and she would always like leave at night, and I was always like covers up by my neck. Where are you going? But um, <laughs> then I found out she. She's, <laughs> she slept with the producer of the podcast. She slept with like my opener. <laughs> she slept with like four or five comics. Oh wow! And I found this all out through like disparate sources. And I just saw her. I was like, I was like, look, I can't sleep with you anymore. If you're do, I wasn't even mad. I was. I, part of me was kind of like respect, but also <laughs> kind of like I don't know. What, I I don't know what you think you're doing because I think a lot of times in L.A., uh, particularly women think that. Well, if I sleep with people, 
they're going to like me and it will establish my value. And I think maybe they think it's going to be access to them down the line. Right. But ironically, or not surprisingly, it ends up just sort of people don't really respect this person. And she was a super, super talented actress. So um, it is a very weird thing. I've, I've always found it. I mean, I think I was called a fuckboy once before. And I was like, what? What, what does that even mean? Um, why do you think in L.A., do you think L.A. is is a particular town that caters to that type of behavior? Or do you, th- because of the business and because it's so ephemeral and everyone's just trying to get their big shot at fame? Or do you think that's just a pervasive thing in in the world writ large because relationships have historically failed and now people are like, well, what's the point? I think that there's a that's a very good I mean it's a good question in the sense of like I think there's a lot of different answers to that um a lot of things that come into play so LA yes definitely I would say that because of the entertainment industry um and the fact that you know there's a lot of there's just a lot of money sex power greed and all of you know all of that at play here people you know flock here for a reason obviously you know because they all have a dream whatever but there's a lot of narcissists in this town sure um and so, you know, everyone's operating on an ego-based agenda, which, you know, so it's not surprising that there's a lot of, you know, fuck boys, fuck girls, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that it is something that is a world, you know, worldwide thing where there are more fuck boys nowadays, probably because of social media and online dating and all that, because it's so easy to just swipe left or swipe right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And everything's just based on looks and you know you just I, mean, I don't know about you but like I when I use you know dating apps it's like I almost feel like it's like you know cattle or something you're just like <laughs> swipe it yeah I mean it's just it's it is a very weird idea that that dating apps exist and there, I think there was a time maybe like six years ago and before that where there was shame attached to being on dating apps right, which right. is good <laughs> you should be a little bit ashamed <laughs> But then it became so prevalent and so many people did it that it it was almost like Pokemon cards. It just was, um, and I, I've had nothing but terrible <laughs> experience whenever I try it. I'm not on it anymore. Um, is that a part? Is that a part of like future episodes? I mean, do you did you do the dating app thing? Did you do the Raya? Did you get on? So it's the actually whole funny. We we touch on that in one of the episodes we just shot that we're gonna release um, in the next you know uh, month or so. Uh, so I, you know, I've, I've been on the dating apps and, and I've been on a few, you know, a few dates and with, but, but again, it's never worked out either, you know? So I, I what would you say is, is the, is the, cause I always find as a social anthropologist, which I am in my head, what do you think is the thing that men most lie about or misrepresent in their dating apps? And I'll ask you, Jonathan, what do women most <laughs> misrepresent in their dating apps? Cause I have, I have ideas i think a lot of the time um how much money they have yeah Um, so they are trying to establish value in terms of power in la for sure and And yeah this is actually touching on all this this stuff these like true to life stories of real experiences in hollywood outside of the diversity of the cast which i think is amazing um these are real stories (laughs) yeah it's kind of like it reminds me of Entourage where you kind of like see behind the scenes of Hollywood, yes. which is super interesting because everyone loves entertainment. They love TV. They love film. And like everyone sees what's on the camera, you know, what they want you to see. But nobody really gets to see what 
this behind the camera and behind the scenes. And so I think that's one of the coolest, most interesting parts of the story is like, that'll draw people in alone. Just, just, they're going to be curious to see what, what, what is Hollywood like for a girl trying to make it, trying to be a screenwriter, actress, director, producer, whatever she wants to be. So I think that's one of the coolest parts of the, yeah. of the show that people are going to find super duper interesting. Yeah. And I also think that you have, and, and I'll talk about the, the issues with feminism and how you approach it with your work, but, um, What's interesting to me is the fact that like uh, you have the stuff that is real and you have these like uh, dating stories and you have to kind of like thread the needle between showing how dark and desperate it is with all, with all entertaining people, number one, making people laugh, number two, and maybe leaving the show with a little bit of hope and optimism so they're not just, it's not the baton death march, right? <laughs> right. And I didn't, at the end of the episode, I didn't feel like, oh my God, this is just going to be me being emotionally pummeled I was like okay I want to see what's going on next mm -hmm. so is that something you're conscious of in terms of like you don't want to just shit on everyone in a shit on the town of LA you want to give LA at least some sense of 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 fun and not glamour but uh, it, it, at least something that people can look at and go it's still a fun town to be a part of oh but it is that's the thing yeah. it is still a fun town to be a part of regardless of all the bullshit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Even though the guys are all fuckboys. No, I mean, not every guy is a fuckboy, but you know, you just, <laughs> I, I also have really shitty taste in men. So that's another <laughs> thing. You know what I mean? So I accept that responsibility. Um, but it's just LA. No, I mean, LA, I love LA in a lot of ways. Um, I love living here, but it's also, but it is a very tough town to live in. It's a tough town, especially as a female, because there's so much pressure. There's so much pressure coming from you know from everywhere in the sense of like you know your looks like you have to you have to look a certain way you yeah. know there's pressure when you leave the house you have to have makeup on yeah, like and that's something that i you know that i will eventually that i will touch on as well in the show is the fact that yeah i mean you don't you can't just leave your house in sweats because you just don't know who you're gonna run into you yeah. know what i mean and and boy have i had some run-ins but like <laughs> yeah. so yeah I, it's it's kind of interesting that you know, especially like as a female, that's that's huge. Like you, owe, you know, keeping up with with your looks, keeping up with, you know, the trends, all of that. And and I'm, I know that men also obviously have to, ha you know, have to keep up as well. But I think that the pressure on women's a lot. Yeah, a lot more for and, sure. Um, and it can be very difficult, honestly. And, but, you know, and Jonathan, for you now, are you a single guy? I am. I, you've done that. You gave me a look like I've done the dating apps too. You've done the dating apps. I sure have. So, what do you feel is most rep misrepresented by women in dating apps? Um, you know, it's funny. I would say the biggest misrepresentation is going to be what they put in their profile, and it's going to be like, "I'm looking for something serious." Like, if you're going to waste my time, like swipe left, and like, I want a long-term relationship and someone who cares about me, and like, they make it seem like they're looking for something really real and authentic and long-term uh -huh. and serious. And then you go on a date with them and you find out very quickly <laughs> that that's really not what they're looking for. Or, you know, so they portray one thing, but then they'll jump right into bed with you. And do they think they jump into bed with you because they think that's how they can procure an LTR as they call it on the apps, the long-term relationship. <laughs> um, Sometimes, I don't know. I mean, I guess that that might be what they want in the back of their head. But in reality, um, finding quality people on these dating apps is yeah. 
far and few between. And, um, yeah. So, you know, I've had girls that want long-term relationships. I've had girls that want short-term relationships. Um, but either way, it's hard to find, um, good quality people on there. So I get on them and it becomes, becomes overwhelming and I'm like, okay, I got to get off this shit. Like I'm just running garbage on here. Yeah. And I could walk down the street and go to, um, a cafe and meet somebody just as easily and it would probably be a much better person to get yeah to know. although nowadays it's just so hard to approach anybody well, right. because right. everyone's on their phone and now if you talk to a stranger like what are you fucking weirdo you're right and now we all have masks just on and now well, ask now my instagram and then dm me like a normal right. person exactly yeah nobody talks anymore and now that we have masks nobody has to talk to each other anymore <laughs> And you don't know what he, anyone looks like, really, too. So. And what apps have you have you dabbled in? Because the funny thing, when you talked about the whole long term, I'm like, okay, this is Tinder. So, you <laughs> right. know, if you are on Bumble, I can buy it. Right. Exactly. Uh, and that Tinder is the more. Um, it's the hookup app. It's the hookup app. It's and Bumble is like the more serious app, yeah. but it's second in line to Tinder. Right. So yeah. We can't confuse that. Um, but Tinder and Bumble are definitely the ones that I was on. Um, so yeah, like there's a part in the first episode and she's like, oh, they just want, it's either the fuck boy or the Instagram influencer or he's just a bodybuilder or whatever. Um, so that's also like another cool, relatable thing that people who watch the show, everybody I know has been on and off these apps. So that's like a cool part. They're going to be like, oh, I can relate to that. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And like, I'm, you know, I'm really trying to push this project really hard and I wanted to get picked up so I'm reaching out to showrunners and I'm reaching out to managers to try and get her represented as a writer director and then also get the project represented and and try and sneak in the back door without sending CAA unsolicited material and all that shit (laughs) of course Um, another hurdle what I'm what I'm finding too is like this is such a dirty raunchy fresh show Mm -hmm. that like a lot of the older Hollywood producers and showrunners and managers they um, some of them have a hard time understanding the concept and it's like oh it's a little too raunchy for me or it's a little like they they don't understand because it's like a millennial show almost yeah so like we got to find the right person in the right home and whether it's a network or whether it's Apple TV or Netflix who we're talking to right now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's someone we're going to, we need to find someone who can relate to it, who understands it, you know, who's on our level, on our age range, probably, um, who's willing to give it a chance. Somebody's got to give it a shot. And you think that the critical success and commercial success of Fleabag would be right. enough for people to go, okay, this is this is a good comp, and this has been incredibly successful, and yes. people want it. And, the, and those shows that prove that this model works is, is awesome, and that's spot on. And then in Fleabag, too, it's not all cheery, and it's not all highs and happy times. And in, a, in the short film that we shot, um, you know, it's been picked up by five different film festivals already, and it's getting a lot of recognition. And the name of the short film is just Hollywood Wounded, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know... I forgot the hell I was thinking about there. <laughs> I was about to say I can I can bust out the weed. I got some. If you want some. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I feel like I'm already there. <laughs> I do that shit all the time. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's an awesome show, and and we need to find a good home for it. And, yeah. Um, what what would be an ideal? What do you think of a good home? What's the ideal home? Obviously, Netflix was sort of like the the standard bearer for a long time, where everyone new content. Um, I think Netflix is fucking garbage now. But yeah. um, personally. Yeah. Like the dream. Yeah. HBO. HBO. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a. I mean, I. You're a big girls been. fan because you brought that up. Well, right I. Right. Lo- but I. I love. Honestly, 
to me at least anything that HBO does uh, for me is like gold yeah they can't the really miss part, you know what I mean and so I just I just love their aesthetic so uh, yeah that would be that's like my number one yeah and HBO is cool because it gives you a lot of freedom to be as raunchy as we want exactly yeah and there's no filter on this thing of course of course which right. is which is so great about it yeah now one of the things I want to ask you Charlie is uh, as a writer creator and also casting yourself as an actress, was there ever a situation where you maybe consider that to be a conflict of interest or you thought about casting someone else or an alternate version, uh, if someone said, we like this, we want to cast blah, blah, blah in your role. Like, we want to put fucking Anna Kendrick, who, by the way, who just had like a quote, unquote, sex and city style thing that fucking tanked. Um, <laughs> Is that something that you'd be open to? Or are you going to stick to your guns like, no, this is my shit, my story, I'm playing the part? I feel like, no, I mean, I'm, I'm open to suggestion. Yeah. Um, you know, originally I wasn't going to play the part. Um, the, the actress that I cast, casted for the, for the role was actually, she bailed at the last minute. And oh, so, wow. And since I was, you know, and then the, the, the other girl that we had that was supposed to replace her, well, she wasn't available anymore, you know, so I was the only one who knew, you know, the wor the lines. I mean, I wrote <laughs> yeah. them. So I was like, well, fuck it. I guess I'm doing this. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? And so and it was actually interesting because I I mean, I'd never acted on an actual set before or nothing like that. Like, you know, um, and so in the first the first thing we shot was actually the the bathtub scene. So I okay. was I was naked, and so and so was like no Merkins. <laughs> no. A Merkins little thing you put over your junk too. Uh -huh. No, we didn't have anything for him to put over. So his. you know what trays? All right. Oh yeah, no, his dick was fully in my face the whole time. <laughs> I mean, I you know it, it was the kind of thing where you just have to jump in with both feet, you know, and so <laughs> literally. I mean, and he, I was trying to be respectful, not not to look, you know, and he was trying to be respectful, not to look. But yeah, like that was it was. I mean, we shot that at like eight in the morning too. I, mean, I was barely, I was barely awake. Yeah, sec <laughs> hey, sex sells. Oh, and whether it's a guy's does. ass or a girl's ass, if there's an ass on the screen, I'll watch it. Yeah. Um, and then, whenever there's a guy's ass, it's a little bit funny. No matter how yeah. hot the guy is, it's always a little bit funny. Exactly. Hell yeah, it is funny. Oh, and what I was going to touch on before too is the seven and a half minute short that's on there that um, is getting a lot of recognition. It's doing well. You can only do so much within a seven minute period of time. Of course. So when you watch it, you see like you see what the a taste of what the show is going to look like. Yeah. Um, but they're like any good show. Um, there's going to be a lot of character arc also. Of course. So she's going to go through those ups and downs, those highs and lows, the drama, the sadness, the happiness, um, and then share those experiences with everybody and all the cast and crew and different um, talent that's involved. And um, you know, this is something she's put a lot of thought into, and there's a lot of episodes. Almost like the first season is like almost planned. So you out. have the first season Bible, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because well, the the thing about it is too is uh, the the micro content that I've been shooting. So mm -hmm. like the micro episodes, seven mm -hmm. min like between five to seven minutes long. You know, um, those are those are a little different in the sense of like, they're just scenes that I've picked from stuff, like from the larger episodes that I've actually got written, it, you know? And it's the reason I did that was again, to build a buzz around, you know, the, the concept of the show. But so it's, but those are more geared towards comedy, you know? So you don't have all the drama and stuff like that necessarily. We really wanted to make it funny because we want to, you know, we want people to want to watch it and, of course. Know, and laugh and, 
and people want to laugh, especially right yeah. now. And, you know? and Charlie's character, Shannon, in the show is is so accurate to who she is. <laughs> So you're going to see like those stories that are being told are really real. And like even like the whole aesthetic of the show, which which is like super cool, I think, in the pitch deck, and which I think is going to get everyone's attention also is like these pinks, these bright colors, yeah. the candy, the bananas, the big lips. Like if you go to into her apartment, you're like walking onto the set of the show. <laughs> like the whole place is pink, like her red hair. Like so it's funny when when I, when she told me that she was supposed to cast somebody else as the lead. You're like, who and then could be right and i'm like who the hell there's nobody actually better for the that part than charlie because she is that person yeah you know and i couldn't see it being anybody else but um you know if it's she's the creative mastermind it's her thing i would never step on her toes if she wants to do it we're going to make that happen and if somebody a network or online streaming platform comes along and picks it up and they want to switch somebody out if charlie's open to that to make this thing go then you know i'm all about it you're like, but I don't as like long it. as she is, and I can't <laughs> believe I just said that in front of her. But um, yeah, no, I want yeah. it to be her because like I support it, you, even though I don't like the idea. Yeah, she's the perfect one for this. Yeah, of course. And one of the things I wanted to also talk about was sort of, I don't know, I really don't know what the word feminism means at this point in the world. And I know there's different waves: there's third wave, new wave, second wave, fourth wave. Um, so we, some people can, because the the idea of feminism as women claiming the power of their sexuality and using it how they want to use it is one version. Another version of, of feminism is uh, keeping your power as a woman and not caving into purient desires, as it were. <laughs> so there are two moments that I actually really liked in the, in the short because they seemed honest, but also I could see them being tricky right now in the environment. Right. One moment is when you go to this guy's house and you're like wanting to break up with him uh, and as a sidebar you had a, a backpack he had a backpack full of panties is that a true story true story oh yeah i God, I'll that just seems so because i can understand like i i, I used to do a bit where <laughs> i would wear a thong on stage i would talk about going to crunch fitness and someone's staring at me until i turned gay and i'd like stop it and then i would like lift a thong strap up <laughs> on my jeans and then Inevitably, I, any woman I dated for the f six years I was doing that bit, they would, fu what the fuck is this? I'm like, do you see that the part where the crotch is is ripped? So it's just it's just basically like, it's just a strap. It's actually yeah. not a thong. Like, why is that ripped? I don't know. Maybe you tore it off with your teeth. I'm like, no, here's my video with that th same thong. Yeah. So, um, so the idea of like an underwear, a pair of panties being found is very, people can relate to that but a backpack full of panties. What was the story? What was the real story there? So the, so what happened was this, the, the guy that I was, you know, casually hooking up with at the time, um, showed up at, cause he had, okay. So he had a thing where he would show up at my place in the middle of the night, totally drunk. Um, and he would actually scale my building just to get into the building because you needed a, a key fob in order to get into the building. And he would so, do it invited though, right? Uninvited. Uninvited. Yeah, I never knew when he was going to show up. Crazy. Yeah, it was he around. Just, four, had, it was always around three or four in had, the morning. But he had carte blanche. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> I never told him he didn't have carte blanche. I, I never told him he didn't. That's true. So you know, and I did let him in every time. So I mean, that's on me, right? Oh. Um, so I guess it's like I a stray cat. The truth comes out. Kind of encouraged that behavior, I guess. Right? Yeah. Like I hated when he did this, but I never turned him away. <laughs> he, he, no, I mean, I never. 
dude, I did not hate it. I'm not going to lie. A guy <laughs> skills the building for me just because, you know, he wants some magical pussy. That's, yeah. you know, that's He's great. like your I Romeo fuckboy. You know, <laughs> a like, Romeo fuckboy. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's a phrase you got to put in one of the episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What type of fuckboys? There's a Romeo fuckboy? Yeah, the, that's <laughs> yeah. for sure. I mean, one time he even showed up, he was all bloody because he fell while he was scaling the building. I was like, oh, God. That's dedication. Yeah, that's dedication. That's for a little sure, romantic you know. right there. You know, so, I mean, but, so, anyway, he showed up and he didn't leave for like a week. He, yeah, he showed up and he didn't leave for like a week. Whoa. Yeah, he stayed at my place for an entire week. And I'm, and I'm just thinking to myself, what? Is What's he going homeless? on here? Like, mm. <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking, is he trying to, is he trying to boot me up? Like, what's, <laughs> what's up? But, you know, and then at the end of the week, um, we actually ended up getting into like an argument. I don't remember exactly what it was. And, you know, I told him to get out, you know, and, and, and so, um, he did, but he like left his backpack. And then I went to Vegas with my girlfriend just to kind of blow off some steam because she was working, uh, she was doing a show in Vegas. She's a, she was a, she's a singer. So she was doing a show in Vegas. Which show? Um, gosh, I don't even remember. It was, it was a, not, not a huge one, it, you know, but I, I don't remember the name of it, but she was doing the show. And so I just went out there with her and stayed with her for like a few days. And then when I got back, um, you know, cause he was hitting me up while I was gone too. Cause he wanted his back. He, he wanted his stuff, whatever. And so when I got back, I, you know, I was packing his toothbrush and the shit that he left behind and I'm opening his backpack and then all of a sudden I pull out three pairs of underwear. And I'm like, these are not mine, you yeah. know, because I mean, and they were they were, you know, size large, whatever, you know, <laughs> and I was like, well, clearly they're not mine. And, yeah. and then, you know, my girlfriend was with me at the time when I when when I pulled them out of the backpack and I was like, what the fuck is this? You know, and, and she that's when she was like, well, let's not jump to conclusions, yeah. you know. Um, and I'm like, well, are you fucking kidding me? I was like, not, don't jump to conclusions. I was like, I just found three pairs of underwear in this in dude's backpack. backpack who's been living with me for the last fucking week and for some reason. Was there, was and there, they're not mine. Was there other stuff in there? I mean, there's like, you know, his clothes or whatever. Okay. Like whatever. a hair doll. There's probably <laughs> like, she's been collecting your hair from like the sink <laughs> and the shower. But the other thing that I noticed is they were dirty. I was like, "Ew, these are used." You know, they weren't even like new undies. That's like clean makes it undies. ten times worse. It was disgusting. So of course, I'm and uh, of course, disgusting also like fascinating. But yeah, what's the story here? <laughs> and so of course, my girlfriend's like, she's like, "Well, you don't know what he's doing with them." And I was like, "Well, what could he possibly be doing with them?" You know, and that's when she was like, "Well, maybe he, you know, maybe he's." wearing them he's a crossdresser yeah i was like maybe he you know maybe he's smelling them i don't know like i was like oh my god that's even worse that oh. <laughs> i mean that's okay do your thing but at least wash them shits exactly. well you know that there this might be sort of apocryphal i don't know if this is true or not but apparently in japan there are vending machines that sell used girls panties yes there's a market for that there is a market for that yeah mm-hmm. in prisons too Oh, really? Yeah. It's oh, like well. a whole thing. I'm in the wrong business. I know, right? That's what I'm, that's what I'm <laughs> what a saying. Great, great way to make money during COVID. Um, For all we know, that's probably why you had them, right? Um, but yeah, so, so of course, but I'm just like, I don't, you know, I'm... You're done, though. I'm done. At yeah. that point, I'm like, this guy, this... I can't, I can't with this guy. So I'm like, I'm just going to drop off his backpack, and then I'm never talking to him again, right? So I go over there, you know, and... Uh, yeah, I mean, I had no intention of staying. 
But, you know, and then it unfolded the way that it, it did in the short, basically. And he you said know? it was an Instagram post. Yeah, he said it was for some, some Instagram video that he did because he, you know, he was an influencer. And so he was making these like funny relationship videos or whatever that were just so ridiculous and just so chauvinistic and, and sexist, gross. I, <laughs> I think, I don't know if he was wearing them. He's probably like shoving them in his mouth <laughs> and like choking himself. And did you see the video? Did the video, did it? play out in the court of law yeah no he he tried to show it to me but i was like i don't even care i don't even I was care like, i don't even care about this fucking video i was like i don't even know why you wouldn't and that's when i was like you know you you kept these for a whole year like why <laughs> for some video year, yeah he had that he's like oh yeah you know i've had him for a year i was like and you didn't give them back <laughs> like i just didn't or throw I them just, away yeah understand. exactly i was like i couldn't understand i never did get the full story by the way so i don't know what he was doing with the panties or, yeah or whatever um, you know, obviously, like I said, it, I did end up staying longer than I thought <laughs> I was going to. So, which, <laughs> uh, I guess, you know, I guess in the end, I, uh, I, I decided to overlook the panty situation. I don't know. For a little bit. A little Every bit. time she tells me these stories, I'm like, I feel like her big brother or something. I'm like, oh, Charlie, oh, what are Charlie. you doing? <laughs> You're fucking around with this shit. But it's great because it's the meat of the show. So the, I had this conversation some other day about, because um, there was a lot of, I don't know if you guys know, but in the, in the comedy world, there was a lot of sexual misconduct going around in certain comics. And, uh, and, and although I think that a lot of these comics, obviously, you know, we all as comics, we have to take responsibility. There's no HR department in the comedy world or in comedy clubs. And if any person that you're hanging out with, you got to if they look young, fucking card them. If they seem drunk, don't sleep with them. There's just a lot of steps that you have to kind of like take to, to safeguard yourself. But it is a, a very interesting. Anyway, uh, I did want to talk about the fact that uh, he's there and he's and he this character, Trey. When you confront them, he doesn't want you to leave. Right. And he kind of grabs your neck and pushes you against the wall. Right? What's funny about that is I feel like in every movie now made in the past year, if you look at two people kissing, a man and woman kissing, it's almost always the same thing where the man is nervous and he gives a little peck and he backs up and then she mauls him. Right? There's this idea of like kissing without quote unquote kissing without consent that has become, which has always been a little bizarre to me because I feel like every single movie up until 2018 was Kissing Without Consent, you know? So now I feel like it's a weird loaded area of that, you know? So he, he grabs your neck, pushing against the wall, and you're like, hey, you know, the rape thing isn't gonna work. The rape fantasy thing isn't gonna work. And and, and I, was, I'm, I just remember, I was like, wow, this is kind of shocking to hear a woman addressing the fact that it is in fact something that some the idea of it is something that not that they want to be raped obviously but the idea that someone that you already have a consensual relationship with the idea of playing out some sort of rape fantasy is something that is exciting because it's taboo because all these things and i don't know so i i was i haven't seen that in a while <laughs> being represented you know and and then and then on top of that then you still walk away and then he exposes himself, which is the other thing <laughs> that is a big sort of... So as, as a woman, and I'm assuming maybe a feminist or not, uh, it, it, I could see some people kind of going, ah, some woman feeling it says the wrong message or if it's something that 
How do you feel? Is that something that you don't think about because you're like, this is the story, so it doesn't matter? Or is it something that you feel has been overblown the way people are, are kind of pussyfooting around sexual dynamics between men and women? I, here's the thing. I will say men are not the only ones who can think with their dicks, right? Yeah. Um, I, for one, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a tough question to answer because we're talking about, you know, me essentially yeah. because I am the character. And so um, I guess I would have to say that I, you know, I did... I did play it out the way that it happened. And so is it shocking to some people? Yeah, maybe. But you know what? It is what I'm into. And of course. And it's what I like. And I'm not the only one out there who likes it, you know? And obviously, uh, you know, it, it's a thing. It, yeah. You know, everyone everyone has their thing. But, um, but I, you know, if, if, if it shocks people, that's fine. Uh it was refreshing from my end seeing that. Yeah. Because I feel like it, it spoke to something that is true. That is, I cannot tell you the n- number of times in my life where I said to, I mean, this is back to my 20s, where I would say, hey, can I, can I kiss you? And a girl would be like, ugh. <laughs> you just ruined everything. You just ruined the fucking night. Don't ask me to kiss me. And then at that point, you can't just kiss him. Because that was the moment's ruined. So I, I, I find that such a weird place that we're in right now as a man. Because like, you're a man. You're a balls. You want to be a man. Women like men. Um, but you also have to be very careful about what where that line is. Because you can't. Because a lot of men don't have any social awareness right. about where it is. So um, that's neither here nor there. I did find it very refreshing that you address it. And I would say it definitely don't shy away from that. Because that that voice of women who are who have sexual power and want to exercise it and get turned on by things is fucking important. And we're shying away from that in a very inorganic way. I find in culture. And my thing is, you know, I I mean, I was in control at the time, you know, it's not like I made the decision to give in because I wanted to, you know, it's not like I was forced into it. I mean, yeah, he pulled his pants down. That was enough for me to be like, okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sounds pretty good. Yeah, exactly. I was like, all right. Um, You know, and, but again, there's, uh, yeah, I mean, there's just, uh, there's the whole dominant factor going on there you know and it's like you know who who's really in control and and i mean i like to think that that yeah i mean we we kind of we kind of both are yeah it's it's yeah i never felt forced into anything yeah you know and so uh yeah again the fact that like i because i did blame i mean i do blatantly say like it's it, it is turning me on like him being forceful him you know pushing me up against the wall him you know it's, it's it was hot it was hot. yeah so and i don't think i should be ashamed of that no right? not at all so. as a matter of fact whenever i've had this discussion with people uh 50 shades of gray is the most widely read book by women in the history of the world and a lot of people attribute that to the fact that it was on kindle so you can actually read your scandalous book without people seeing the cover and being right. embarrassed on the subway. Right. Um, but once I found the sets, which it truly is the most widely read book by women in the world, I was like, okay, well this, but this, it was such an, it was an outlier film in terms of most films weren't dealing with relationships between men and women in that direction. Right. You know what I mean? Um, 
but like is that is that to be a submissive and to have a man like that is that still a feminist exercising her sexual desires and her wants sure it is so i guess i guess the question was like are you conscious of what you as a woman what your what your message and what you're saying and do you feel like you want to give a voice to something that hasn't been given a voice to before or is it just like these are just my stories and i'm not thinking about broader implications of 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 what i represent as a female creator does that make sense absolutely i think i mean i do think it's important yeah to showcase different facets of a woman you know what i mean yeah. and the fact that like yeah some of us are into this and you know and we shouldn't be ashamed of it and yeah some of us want to be submissive some of us want to be the dominant ones you know and frankly i like to be both so yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah but um i'm i guess that i feel like it is taboo in a lot of people you know especially when it comes to like you know men being a little bit aggressive towards a woman sexually uh they might frown upon that and be like okay this is a bit much or you know um but again everyone's different and so yeah i mean for me it's like being honest about what i what i what i like sexually and that is me actually uh yeah you know uh, it's an important thing for you to express obviously as well an artist is, yeah it is yeah. because um and I wanted to show that it's not just men who crave sex. Yes. That, yeah, that it's not just men who think with their dicks. Because, un, un, you know, unfortunately for me, uh, I do have a high sex drive. And so when, when I'm in situations like that one, for example, where I know I should walk away. Absolutely. This guy's a fucking, you know, this guy's <laughs> an asshole. Like, he's, he's clearly a liar. He's clearly pathological, you know. And I'm like, but... <laughs> We're here. Exactly. I was like, but. Like, as a male, too, I can relate to this, just to touch on that topic. Um, You know, like, I being rough or something when a girl asks me to do that is like super uncomfortable for me. Yeah, me too. You know, and I don't really like it a whole lot and I've gotten sort of used to it <laughs> if they want it. Um, you know, but I'll do it very gently and like my safe word is like califragilistic expialidocious. <laughs> so as soon as I say that, she knows to like get her fingernails out of my neck. No, but sometimes, you know, I like I recently had an experience where a girl was choking me out of nowhere and I did not tell her to do it. Yeah. And it was got like really hard and I yeah. like couldn't breathe for a second and I'm like grabbing her hand and I and you know like so it goes both ways it does yeah it do- and I feel like I tell a lot of these stories to Charlie and hopefully she, this is like some meat that she can throw <laughs> into the storyline down for the way sure, yeah sure. Um, but no it goes both ways I Definitely. think yeah sure. I mean obviously the big difference I like to say is that with men when it happens there is the pain but usually you're not worried about your life right you know uh, just that's, that's just the nature of the dna of men and women like a woman overpowering man is is an unlikely scenario just logistically mm-hmm. so um do you have a character arc in terms of the whole like a series do you have like a series arc where like this character who's dealing with these issues who's going to I mean, I think one of the reasons Breaking Bad was the best series, one of the best ever made, was because Vince Gilligan had an idea about, he had the ending in mind right. after like six seasons, he's, and which is why it 
was pretty cohesive except for that weird sidebar about the sister who shoplifted that no one fucking cared about. <laughs> it was so <laughs> fucking weird. Okay, that fuck that. But the rest of it was incredibly cohesive. So I felt I feel like a lot of shows, a lot of series, they kind of fall apart after like season one or two because they just figure out, okay, we got season one. Lost is a perfect example, and I've talked to writers on Lost, and it's not. It as it is as confused and as fucked up as you think it was. Right. Like they're like, what if we add a fucking polar bear? Like, what if we just <laughs> okay? There's a hatch. Like literally, okay. There's a hatch. Okay, summer vacation. Um, so do you have that plan? Like, because I'm assuming that part of it is like you as a woman, and I don't want to ask your age because it's fucking LA, but you're a young woman. I'm assuming you're in your 20s. You yeah. look very young. Thank uh, you. That you you have an idea about where Charlie, the person, and where the character wants to end up. Yes. So you do have that. I do. Is it the big wedding? Is it, I don't, I don't want to ruin it, but you, but you have the idea. Yes, I do. I do. And you know, uh, it really stems around like the whole idea of, you know, is she, because the concept of the show ultimately also is like, you know, because we're in LA and trying to survive in LA and because you're putting up with all this bullshit in that, you know, you have a lot, you know, there's a lot, basically a lot being thrown at you um you know it's the kind of town that corrupts you yeah it's the kind of town that will change you that will wound you that will really fuck you up in a lot of ways and it's like how are you going to handle all of that um and some people you know they they fall to the dark side you know um some people they you know they they become prey to the scene you know all like the drugs the alcohol the partying all of that um and you know they they get sidetracked from what they're supposed to be doing and so a lot of that's at play in the sense of you know will my character be able to stay um you know, somebody that hasn't, you know, will be basically, is she going to grow up? Is she going to, is she going to grow up? Is she going to be able to uh, get to where she's, you know, where she wants to go? Or is she going to be distracted by all the other bullshit? And um, is she going to fall to the dark side? Is she, because you, you know, it's, it's hard. LA is a hard place to be. It really is. And yeah. so, um, and it does change you in a lot of ways. And so the idea is how is Shannon going to change? And, you know, is she going to keep fucking with the fuck boys or is she going to be, you know, is she, <laughs> she going to talk some sense into herself and be like, OK, we're done with the fuck boys. But yeah. Um, so the I, yes, I do have a, I do have the end in mind. Yeah. I'm not going to reveal it, of course. But OK, um, <laughs> got to watch yes. it. <laughs> exactly. Gonna have to watch. Yeah. <laughs> going to have to get picked up first. So what would be your pitch to people uh, as we wrap this up? What would be your pitch to people who uh, to watch this? Like, hey, because we got to get people to go from this interview right. to go to the website. It's not on YouTube yet, right? Not yet, but um, we're working on that. So once we get the other episodes going, then we'll we'll have a YouTube channel. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your pitch to get people to go to? I mean, we've talked about it a lot, and I think people will be interested. But what is the pitch you'd say if you're like, hey, up in someone's street you're the you're the producer john what do you say to people you gotta check this out How's yeah i'm i'm always like here let me show you this project i got a tv series i pull up the website www.hollywounded.com <laughs> and um as soon as i show them the video they kind of like get it and i just let it play i'm yeah. like it is a raunchy true to life hollywood story of a girl trying to make it as a screenwriter in hollywood and I, I leave it at that, and um, it, I think it piques their interest because they're like, oh, I, 
I've heard, I've heard about it a million times. So I, I just leave it at that. Honestly, super raunchy. It's like Fleabag, Broad City and um, check it out. And as soon as they see it and how gritty it is and real it is and relatable, it kind of like sells itself in a way. Yeah. And, and, and she's done a really good job at doing that and, and presenting that whole package. And that's one of the reasons I came on. I'm like, holy shit, this is a completed package. I can just show this to somebody. The yeah. website, I'm like, here, check it out. That, yeah. that's literally it and people are people everyone i show it to loves it so yeah, yeah. and you've had you have three episodes in the can yeah and and we're gonna be working on some more oh you are working on more already yeah. okay mm-hmm. so um i was but because some people like you get three episodes and then you wait you wait for the the buy or you kind of like you're just gonna keep fucking making it we're gonna keep making it just because you know again like i said it's the bite-sized content you yeah. know that we're making so we're not making the full-on, you know, half-hour episodes, obviously. Um, so, yeah, we're going to keep creating content and, um, you know, entertaining people. Yeah. Because that's really... And I'm, I'm pretty sure that both Broad City and Insecure, were, were they were just self-funded YouTube series at first as well. Yeah. And they were able to garner some attention and get some attention from Sue Execs. And now Issa Rae is like who you're when you get arrived to LAX she welcomes you to LAX like that's <laughs> right. how fucking big she is right now right. exactly um, well that's really amazing I'm so glad you guys came out is there anything else you want to say and leave people with or where can people find you well I mean uh, Holly Wounded on IG so they can definitely find us there yeah um, so and then of course if anybody's like interested they can reach they can reach out through the website as well so hollywounded.com um, and then eventually, like I said, we're soon going to come out with the YouTube channel. So um, they'll be able to, to watch our stuff there as well. Um, yeah. So, I mean, uh, thank you so much for having me, honestly. Of course. It it's very, it's very cool to meet new, new artists and new you know, producers and see what people are up to and what they're creating. Because this is, I mean, I think that what COVID has shown us and the lockdown has shown us is the people who are creating during this period are the people going to, really come out you know hitting the ground running and the people who are waiting around for this thing to fucking end uh are the people who are going to be really behind the eight ball when when things open up and because the truth is things may never truly open up in the same way right so the fact that you're doing this is is remarkable and i hope you kind of like recognize that that's a really cool thing that you're doing and uh and it's exciting so i'm I'm really excited for both you guys thank you jonathan (laughs) perlstein uh charlie charlie bella rose I was about to say Charlie Hustle because... Uh. <laughs> oh my God, it's so funny you say that actually because I call her Charlie Hustle. I'm from the Bay, you know, and we have E-40 who's like one of my favorite rappers from the Bay. I grew <laughs> up on him and his, one of his names is Charlie Hustle. I thought you were talking about... P- that was Pete Rose's nickname. Was it? Yeah. There's a lot of Charlie Hustle. I'm Hustles so old. I'm such a boomer that I'm like, Charlie Hustle's Pete Rose, right? You're like, no, he's a rapper. Yeah, I keep a gangster. And then you're like, I don't know any of these. That's just me. Oh, God. When you were born, you look like you're 12. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Signing off from the Afterlife. Bye bye.